Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Monday, July 31st, 2023. Our catechesis continues in Matthew's Gospel, will be in Matthew chapter 18 today. Um, and we've had uh, a couple, well, let's see, Saturday and Friday both uh, dealt with the forgiveness of sins, actually even Thursday maybe a little bit, right? Uh, don't Prohibiting the little children. So Jesus is in this uh, long, it's not exactly a discourse because it's uh, interspersed with, with actions, with things happening. Um, clearly Matthew is catechizing us in um, the forgiveness that Christians extend having been forgiven by Christ. So uh, today Jesus does it by way of parable, but more on that in a minute. Uh, being that it's Monday, we'll have a new psalm, yesterday's psalm and, and hymn, one of yesterday's hymns, as well as a memory verse and, uh, and catechism part. So, um, well, today we'll introduce those things for you. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. As we said, our psalm this week is Psalm 26. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep away my soul, or do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, this memory verse should sound familiar to you. Uh-huh. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 16. Or 16a. <laughs> Our catechism is Lord's Prayer First Petition. What is that? Hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may be kept holy among us also. How is God's name kept holy? God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we, as the children of God, also lead holy lives according to it. Help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. Protect us from this heavenly Father. All right. Our first reading is picking up in Isaiah, now chapter 47, 
right? And we can hear um, prophetically the words uh, that won't actually come to fulfillment for 50, 75, 100 years later, um, but are confirmed um, in actual experience by Isaiah. Um, I imagine those who heard Isaiah saying these words, like, this couldn't happen to us. This would never happen to us. All right. Um, I like to listen to some prophets of doom, uh, specifically economic doom. And, they, and, you know, people keep saying, well, you know, it hasn't happened yet, so it must not, it's probably not going to happen. All right. Well, the Lord delays. Um, that's for your sake, for your repentance. And oh, that they would have listened to Isaiah and repented. But they did not. Sit in silence and go into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for you shall no longer be called the Lady of Kingdoms. I was angry with my people. I have profaned my inheritance and given them into your hand. You showed them no mercy. On the elderly you laid your yoke very heavily, and you said, I shall be a lady forever, so that you did not take these things to heart, nor remember the latter end of them. Therefore hear this now. You who are given to pleasures, who dwell securely, who say in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. I shall not sit as a widow, nor shall I know the loss of children. But these two things shall come to you. In a moment, in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. They shall come upon you in their fullness because of the multitude of your sorceries for the great abundance of your enchantments. For you have trusted in your wickedness. You have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge have warped you. And you have said in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me, no one else besides me. Therefore evil shall come upon you. You shall not know from where it arises, and trouble shall fall upon you. You will not be able to put it off. And desolation shall come upon you suddenly, which you shall not know. All right. So uh, as you've heard me warn uh, to you prophetically uh, in both preaching and teaching, all right, we know the things that are going to come upon us. We, we can see because uh, they happen over and over and over. Right? The Lord rebukes those whom he loves. He disciplines those severely, those whom he loves. Especially when we fall into idolatry and wickedness, um, go, living lives contrary to God's word. Um, you know, He's patient, uh, long-suffering, um, but often gives us over to those desires so that they're increased and multiplied upon us to the point of you know, we're brought fully captive to our sin, and only then um, does he uh, deliver us. Right? Uh, maybe when we cry out in despair. Uh, the lesson of the judges would be a great example. But here, the lesson of the prophet, too. All right. Ah, this will never happen to us. Mm. This is why I've uh, warned the Bible study repeatedly uh, to go and watch the Ray Dalio um, video where he talks about the four empires and the way that the empires continually, how they rise and fall. And uh, economically, it's, it's consistent. And also, um, then he would be a prophet of doom for our economy as well. All right. So stop trusting in princes and a son of man in whom there is no delight in the Lord. Um, And maybe um, you can do things then to prepare um, for what will come upon perhaps our nation. Um, You know, maybe uh, you you can help prevent it from coming upon you and upon those whom you love, your neighbors. All right. That's what the prophetic word is for, but uh, will you heed it? That's the question. All right. Now, again, to the theme of forgiveness, Matthew 18, we already had, um, how often should I forgive my brother? Seven times seven, right? And we had that 77 times uh, on Saturday. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, oh, I guess we get it again. How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to 70 times? Seven times, I should say. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, 
The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, um, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So, when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to each or to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. All right, so there's the context, his brother forgiving the brother, right? So now we have the threat as if you refuse to forgive your brother, not just um, the kind of the procedure if your brother refuses to forgive you or to be, for, what is it? To confess his sins for forgiveness. If you refuse to deliver that forgiveness, what happens? Aha. Uh-huh. Um, so why is it interesting that Peter should be the one to ask about the number of times a person should forgive, which was kind of the lead in the context? Why is that uh, interesting? Maybe even ironic. Peter will later deny Jesus three times. How many times will Jesus forgive him? Three times. Peter thinks seven's a fitting number. Seven, of course, is a good number, right? The number of creation, of the Sabbath, of rest, of, um, of completion. Uh, but Jesus' answer is 70 times 7 or 77, right? The number of Sabbath times the number of faithful apostles. Maybe it's that. All right, so we have a parable. And of course, it's the kingdom of heaven. So we have a king. Who's the king? That would be the father. Um, then who are the servants who uh, are to settle accounts? Well, he's speaking to the dis- uh, disciples. So I think it's them immediately, but of course, indirectly, then all the baptized are called to settle their accounts. Right. That means, uh, it, I mean, it's really a picture that there must be a payment uh, made for sin. A payment must be made for sin. Right. God must be faithful to his word. Right. He has proposed this through, especially through all the Levitical sacrifices, right? And the rites of the temple and the tabernacle. Um, atonement must be made. We talked about this with the temple tax, right? An atonement being made there. All right. Uh, how much did the first servant owe? All right, a talent is about a day's wage, and he owes 10,000 talents. Uh, that's, a, that's an immense debt, right? It's, as the parables go, they're sometimes a bit outrageous. Right? Could that debt have been paid off by selling everything and everybody in his family? No, there was no way for him to pay this debt. Um, by the way, in Matthew's gospel, where's the other time he uh, earlier had used the language of debts and debtors? It was actually in the giving of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. It's not trespasses, it's debts. I think that's interesting. Um, Jesus uses this financial language by way of, um, you know, to, to, for human, uh, for our consumption, right? Um, before God, is there such, I mean, is, is there currency? Not really, right? Um, so this is, again, um, for the sake of 
of our understanding. All right, so the servant falls on his knees and begs, right? Make, tries to make a deal. Let's make a deal. That's always how it works for us with God too. You know, let's try to come up with some kind of arrangement here. Huh. Um, be patient with me and I'll pay you back, even though you can't. So really an outrageous response here from the servant. Um, but instead the master does something amazing, right? He's moved with compassion. He releases him forgiving all of his debts. So no longer a slave and no longer a debtor, right? Really incredible. Supposed to just be uh, kind of this insane idea, right? There's no way uh, any master would ever do such a thing, right? So the economy of the gospel is not like the economy of this world. That's the point. All right, so then he goes and then he has another fellow servant. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Huh? Lord's Prayer. And um, this servant owes him a hundred denarii, which is probably only... No, a denarii is a day's wage, right? So this is only about three months' wage. And the talent's quite a bit much. So this is a lot smaller than the 10,000 talents, which is just, I don't even know what that would be equi- equivalent to. Millions and millions, we'll say. I think I once did the math. <laughs> uh, but here, the forgiven servant, how does he deal with his fellow servant? He grabs him by the throat and demands that he pay the debt. All right. Hmm. So the second servant falls on his knees and begs just as the first servant had just a few verses before, right? So you see the parallel between the two. And instead of forgiving, the forgiven servant has his fellow servant thrown into prison till he could pay the debt. Of course, the, the fellow servants uh, know how outrageous this is. And so they plead to the father for justice, actually, right? Um, because they were grieved. How should the servant have dealt with his fellow servant? To, shown mer- to have shown mercy, forgiveness, as he had been shown mercy or forgiveness, right? Forgive us as we forgive those. Right, so now the master, since the uh, servant refused to believe the forgiveness that had been given to him by, by the master, now the master has him delivered to the tr- torturers until he could pay back everything, which of course is a picture of hell, right? Because it's some absurd, uh, I suppose the Rome would come up with something like uh, purgatory, right? Some insane amount of time, all right? So again, the point here is not that we have to pay back all the debts that we owe to God, right? And that's why I mentioned purgatory. The point is to show mercy as you've been given mercy or to forgive as you have been forgiven, right? Just like we learn in the Lord's Prayer. So not only um, are we to, to are we called actually to um, call our neighbor to repentance, but we're also even more importantly called to forgive them without ceasing, right? 77 times, completely, over and over. Even more so, I would say, than calling them to uh, sin, because we often overlook sins um, just for the sake of, um, well, of patience and long-suffering. All right, so uh, fairly, uh, for those who have ears to hear, a fairly obvious uh, parable, what's going on here, especially since we've worked through the context um, before. The king is God the Father. The servants are all the men of this world who have rebelled against God and owe him a great debt for their sins that cannot be repaid. He has sent his own son to be the servant who takes the place of all the servants by bearing our sins and canceling our debt. We cannot make a deal to pay the debt, but Christ has paid the debt completely for the entire world. Christ has forgiven our sins that we might forgive the sins of others. We are called to live in that forgiveness of sins at all times because this is the way of mercy and compassion. The servant ignored the fact that his debt had been erased and demanded payment of the small debt owed to him. Those who do not forgive are really denying the forgiveness that Christ won when he paid the debt for the sins of the whole world. We forgive our brother's debts because Christ has already forgiven them. 
Although we are nothing but beggars who deserve nothing, Christ graciously for, has graciously forgiven all our sins. So we daily pray that we would forgive our brother's debts as our own debts have been canceled. Through the word of God, which we pray, our Lord actually brings this about in our lives. Again, this is the reason why we pray this without ceasing to in the Lord's Prayer, so that we would not cease to forgive. Right? Good. Right, let's sing our hymn for the week. In God, my faithful God.
All right, we have a commemoration today. We actually had one yesterday too, but uh, no congregation prayer yesterday. So you uh, did not get to learn about Robert Barnes, the English confessor and martyr. Today, though, we learn, um, we rejoice to commemorate Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea is mentioned by all the evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He hailed from a small village called Arimathea in the Judean hills. An honored member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, he was wealthy and had for himself a tomb already prepared. He bravely came forward to Pilate and asked for permission to take the Savior's body to bury it in his own new tomb. John reports in his Gospel, chapter 19, that Joseph assisted Nicodemus in the bloody task of taking our Lord's body off, the cross, off his cross. Together they brought his body to the tomb that belonged to Joseph, along with many spices. They laid him hastily to rest, wrapped in clean white linen, as the Sabbath was upon them with the setting of the sun. The women who followed our Lord saw the place and would return after Sabbath to finish caring for their, the Savior's body and encounter the great surprise of the Lord's resurrection. Many note the public bravery shown by Nicodemus and Joseph in contrast with the fearful reaction of the Lord's disciples. These brave members of the Jewish Sanhedrin did not hesitate to ask the Roman governor Pilate for permission to bury the quote-unquote king of the Jews and received his blessing to do so. Their honoring of the Lord's body was in itself a confession of the resurrection of the dead. In a similar way, the dead bodies of the saints are not litter to be disposed of, but truly holy relics awaiting the joyous resurrection, which is, of course, why um, we treat the body with great reverence and um, bury it in new tombs as well. Um, as we remember Joseph and his service to the body of our Lord at his tomb, we also remember the task we as Christians have of honoring the dead remains of Christ's saints. We confess before an unbelieving world that these remains are to be honored, for they join for joined to Christ, they will be raised in glory on the last day, when our Lord will appear again, raise all the dead, and give to all believers in Christ a life that never ends. Right? So this is why I've strongly encouraged you um, to not buy into the rhetoric about cost and um, other things that have to do with cremation, but rather um, to treat the body with as much reverence as possible and to lay it in the tomb, uh, resting as it would in a bed. I think it's, a, um, it's really the best confession uh, for what we believe about the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Uh, I do have a suspicion that those who cremate sometimes actually think that um, the resurrection is kind of just a spiritual resurrection and not a bodily one. Uh, God forbid it. Right? Let us pray. Merciful God, your servant Joseph of Arimathea prepared the body of our Lord and Savior for burial and with reverence and godly fear and laid him in his own new tomb. As we follow the example of Joseph, grant us your faithful people, the same grace and courage to love and serve Jesus with sincere devotion all the days of our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Grant to us, Lord, the Spirit to think and do always such things as are right, that we, who cannot do anything that is good without you, may be enabled by you to live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for faith <coughs> to live in the promises of holy baptism, for all vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray this day uh, in Thanksgiving with Emma celebrating her birthday, with Kara, Heaven, and Chelsea all celebrating their baptism, with Shannar and Nicole celebrating their anniversary this day, Oh, and Dwayne and Pam as well. 
Pray for the households of our church, especially this week with Stephen and, and Penny, Stephen and Penny, uh, Nicholas, David, Rolf and Linda, David and Sherry, Ryan and Cassidy. Pray for our catechumens. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Joe, Melanie, Kelsey, Christopher, Marcy, Brad, Eileen, Ron, Doug, Bev, Donna, Jim, Pat, Wendell, and Darlene, our homebound, Marcella, Marion, Dan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. Today, one more time, pray um, that the work of Safe Harbor be blessed. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. That's our congregation of prayer for today, July 31st, 2023. Hopefully the last pre-recorded uh, uh, daily prayer for us. I should be uh, on my way back this morning yet, I hope, or maybe later today. And uh, so we'll join you live tomorrow and uh, you'll be able to interact with me in person finally again at least for another week or so, until I have to leave town again for Naomi's surgery, which will be in a week, um, just a little over a week, or less than a week. Yeah, a little less than a week. So um, God be with you all, keep you uh, safe and secure, and I hope to see you again in the morning in person. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.